Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Turn up your Turn up volume. volume. Your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast, Sick Podcast. with Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. Oh! The Sickest Montreal Canadiens Podcast. <laughs> You're in the ball! Sports Entertainment. Like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la victoire des Canadiens. You found the dogs! John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together they worked a young team to the top. And now a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground. Your premier gaming destination. It's gonna be sick. Marinero on this Thursday night talking Habs. How is everyone doing tonight? As uh, he always is, or most often, rather than not, a regular on Thursday nights, former Montreal Canadiens tough guy, George Larac. What's going on? What's going on, Tony? Yes, sir. Guarda qua. <laughs> Why are you wearing sunglasses? Who do you think you are, Jay-Z? Because I am who I am. I want to wear my sunglasses. I wear my sunglasses. And if Maui Jim wants to give me an endorsement, uh, they give me an endorsement because I did pay for these, by the way. Uh, $207 at the duty-free, to be exact. No, they didn't look like Dollarama sunglasses, bro. They are Maui Jim's, my friend. And I'm going to tell you this. I've had several sunglasses, but these... Like they don't, they don't weigh anything, you know. Like they're and the, the quality of the lenses, absolutely fantastic. I, I have to see if I can get them though prescription, so that I actually I don't have to change glasses to my reading glasses every time I need to read a script or or, or something else for the podcast. You know, hey, what's going on? It, today's a today's a big day for you because last week when you were on, I pushed you, I pushed you, I pushed you, and I said to you, I said. Arbor Jack guy, Ryan Reeves. I know you gave him lessons. Come on, admit it, admit it, admit it. And you didn't want to, you didn't want to, you didn't want to. At one point you said, okay, Tony, yeah, you know what? I, I taught him a trick or two and let's end it at that. I don't want to talk about it anymore. You kept on asking me and that's that. Now, I think we could talk about it more freely because last night, Arbor Jack guy made a public appearance. He's got a burger named after him, named the sheriff. And uh, a couple of people from the media were there. Um, uh, Max Truman was there with Dan Les Coulisses and Charles Alexis Brisbois. And um, and um, uh, 
uh, HFTV was there and they had a chat with them and they talked to him. And we saw on Max's website um, earlier today that there was an article. Arbor Jackeye admitted that you guys went on the ice on one occasion. You gave him some tips. You gave him some tricks. Then he was asked, who's the toughest guy in the National Hockey League? He said himself. Then he was asked, no, no, really? And he said, well, uh, out of everyone else, I think Milan Lucic is probably the guy. I don't think he gets enough credit because he's not as active maybe as some of the other guys. And then he was asked who the toughest of all time is, the best fighter of all time. And he said, you, George Larac. So we have plenty to talk about tonight, my friend. Plenty. Yeah, well, okay, I could talk a, a bit about it. I, I, you know, the thing is, I, I didn't want to bring that up because I've, if the guy wants to bring it up and on his own term, because he's probably going to be asked a lot of questions and I could talk about it, but I didn't want to bring it up. I'm just happy to help a fellow brother that kind of do a side of the job kind of like I do. Um, and I'm talking the tough side, uh, tough side part because it's the toughest job in the NHL. Mm. And he, he could play the game too, but, you know, I'm doing this for free, as you know. I'm donating in my time, and I'm just happy to help him. Um, I started with Pezzata, as you know, and, man, I was proud of him last two fights that he was in. Pezzata is not a heavyweight like Jacka. He's a middleweight, but now he's the best middleweight in the NHL. And I'm not afraid... Uh, with Pezzata with anyone now. He's smart, he's strong, and his technique is perfect. And Jack, I, uh, we've talked about it before. Uh, now he's the toughest guy in the league, hands down. Hands down. He just needed to tweak a little bit of technique. We're on the ice for an hour together. And, uh, you know, when you're on the ice, there's a lot of things. Fighting is like Tony. It's probably like 75% technique. It's an art, you know? And, you know, boxing... When you go in boxing, there's fundamental that is the same for everyone. But on the ice, it's not. There's technique that a lot of people don't know. Even other fighters don't even know. You got to show guys like how to get people out of balance, how to take advantage of somebody out of balance, how to push them, how to, how to defend yourself if you're in trouble, body punch. There's so many things that come into effect. So to talk about you like this, Tony, it's like it's impossible because, first of all, you have to know a fighter to know what I'm talking about. And we have to go on the ice. And when you fight with, with, and train with people like that, you don't go on the ice and just talk to them. You fight with them. So I was fighting with Pezzetta, and I was fighting with... We lost George. We'll try and get him back in just a second here. And uh, I'm sure that we will. So... Uh, yeah, sorry, Tony. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, let me go. So no, the only way... Yeah, the only way you could show people is to fight with them. So... A little, lot of fighting with Pezzetta and a lot with Jackai. And Jackai is strong as hell. Like, I felt his power. I felt his strong. And it's just, it was just a matter of positioning. But, you know, it, it, is, it is awesome. Like, and you know, you know what's crazy? And when I was doing that, especially with him, it kind of made me want to do it again. You know, like, it comes to you and I'm like, man, I still got it. I want to get out there and to do it. Obviously, I, couldn't, I can no longer skate. Uh, you know, in the NHL today, it's too fast, and and I, and I can't do this. But a fighting part, I know I could still do it. But there's more, there's more than that anyway. And I told you this, Tony. We've talked about this. I told you, if I play in the NHL today, I'd be the toughest guy in the league. 
but I couldn't play more than a shift a game because uh, I can't play anymore. George, no, I'm not. I'm not. George, I am not, Tony. George, anyway, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't get through the off-ice workouts. 45 minutes, you would be puking in the Tony, garbage can. Tony, Tony, Tony at 300 pounds, listen to me. At 300 pounds, I ran yeah. twice the Montreal Marathon and the 100 half marathon. And that is way harder than any fight you could do out there in terms of cardio. So don't tell me what I could do, not do. All my life, people told me I couldn't play in the NHL, Tony. I proved them wrong. And when I retired at 200 pounds, I ran two full marathons with two near the disc and no meniscus on my knee. I could do anything, Tony, and I could push mountain, even though I'm 46 years old. So why are you crying in your basement, eating shit and getting overweight, Tony? I'm moving around and I'm doing shit. So don't tell me what I could do and not do, Tony. So First anyway, of all. Let, let me finish. I'm not done. To finish with Jack High and you're drinking beer at 10 o'clock at night, the worst thing for your metabolism. You should drink water. But anyway, to finish with Jack High, I love the guy. He's awesome. He's the toughest guy in the NHL. He's an awesome man, and nobody's going to come near him ever. He's the best ever. And Saturday, if you expect him to fight Tom Wilson, it's not going to happen. You know why? Because you remember when the Rangers played uh, – the Washington and then Wilson roughed up the star player. The next game, they went after him with no tough guy on their team. The next year, they got Ryan Reeves. You know how many body checks Tom Wilson did against the Rangers when Ryan Reeves was there? Maybe two. He was invincible. He wanted nothing to do with Ryan Reeves. Now that Wilson saw what Jack I did to Ryan Reeves, he's going to be nowhere to be found Saturday. He's not going to look for Jack High because he's the new sheriff in the NHL. Yeah. He's the toughest guy in the league. He'll be quiet. There'll be no fight Saturday. The only fight that is possible that we could see is Pezzetta and Wilson. But other than that, now Jack High doesn't have to look for a spot. People will be afraid of him. I expect, um, I expect Reeve to maybe take a rematch in March because he lost. I was surprised that he didn't try again in that game. Even Jack High said in the interview. He was expecting to come ask him again because he looked bad in Toronto in front of his fan. He didn't. Well, too bad. But now the sheriff is there. You guys saw it. You want a piece of the sheriff? Go eat a burger at La Chambre in the Repartigui. That's hey, the, hey, only, that's hey. the only way you can eat something. Hey, 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 hey. Everyone who gets plugs here ends up paying for them. Okay? No free plugs but, for anybody. I don't, own it. It. I, I, don't, I don't own the place anyway. I no, no, I understand that. But you just gave somebody a free plug. They want the plug. Hey, you're, uh, you're, you're, listen to me. You, you're on, you're on fire though tonight. Though it's the, it's the first time I've had a chance to speak for more than ten seconds. I saw smoke coming out of the ears. I saw Ufumo, George Ufumo. You're on fire, George. George. Okay, listen to me carefully. Now, I made you have your rant. I made you say your. Piece. And you're right. You're right. I do eat a lot of junk and I am overweight. You're right. I saw you a couple of nights ago at a bar in Verdun. You were eating like you're going to the electric chair in 10 minutes. Let's be honest. You were having, you you had a plate of fries that was bigger than my head. You had a salad. You had fried pickles. And you had uh, cauliflower bites that were also fried. That was was after a two days fast, by the way. It was a two days fast. It was a two days fast. No, no, no. You know, it was you were eating fast, not a two days fast. Yeah, but it was a two days fast that broke. Yeah, by by eating fast. You're right, Uh, but I was eating fast. 
Okay, now now that we got that out of the way, we made fun of each other, okay? okay. Now that's out of the way, so we had our fight for the night, so now we can talk, okay? Okay. I'd love to believe everything you've told me about no one's going to take liberties, this, that, whatever. But even with Jack Guy in the lineup, Jared Tenord hit Kirby Doc. He put him over the boards, and Kirby Doc's out for the season. And okay, I, understand, I, understand that, me, I, I understand that's a Tony, check. Tony, Tony, hold on one second. Yeah. The NHL is a hitting league. Yes. Like, like he didn't, like, Tenord, he didn't take liberty on, on, on Dak. Dak came in full speed, and he just caught him good full speed and the whiplash effect of hitting someone that comes full speed, he just flew over the bench. But it was not a dirty check. It no. was a legal check. Jack I is not going to go after everyone that do a legal check to someone. It's unfortunate that yeah. that got hurt, but it was nothing dirty on the play. What I'm talking about... I never, I never said shot. there was, by the I'm way. The only reason why I brought it up... Shot, I'm talking about cheap shots and people taking liberty. It's not going to happen. As long as the sheriff is there. You know what the sheriff is worth right now? If a team wanted to get him, because every all the other 31 team would want him, minimum first-round draft pick to get him if you want to. But Montreal cannot do it. They need him because he makes the guys play bigger. I was, listen, by no point did I say it was a cheap shot by Tenorti. It was a hockey play. The guy was coming down the wing. He took him out of the play. I, the only reason why I said it is just to make a point. Well, it's not because you have the toughest guy in the league now that the other team's never going to hit you. They're still going to play hockey, right? That's the only reason why I said yeah. it. So now. Yeah, okay, okay. All okay. right, okay. Let's 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 backtrack a little bit here. Okay, okay. So we know you started off with Pozzetta, and then we know that you gave a lesson to Arbor Jacki. How did it all come about? Tell us the story. Well, uh, I might have to do give a few also to the – uh, to some people in the American Hockey League also, in the farm team. So uh, we'll see. Um, we'll see, but I should meet some of these guys soon. But the way he started it is, uh, actually, it's pretty funny because uh, Pezzetta was doing the show with Martin Lemay in BTM Spa last year. Correct. And when he did it, I told Martin, tell him that if he wants free lesson, like, I'll give it to him. So when Pezzetta was talking to Lemay, like, before he was going on the air, when Lemay told him, he said, yeah, yeah, sure, I'd love to. And then he gave my, his number to Martin, uh, to, uh, he gave my number to Martin and he texted me. And then that's how we started, do one, two, three session. And then, and then after that, I told him, anyone, everybody else on the team wants it, let me know. And uh, that's how he started it. And, uh, you know, Tony, um, I'm not going to raise myself in terms of how good I was or whatever, but... When I started in the NHL, if Probert, Tony Twist, or any of this amazing heavyweight came up to me and said, George, I'm willing to help you for free, when I was a rookie, I would take it. It's a brotherhood what we do. And you know, Montreal's my hometown. We cover this team every day. I love the Montreal Canadian as much as I love the Edmonton Oilers. But right now I'm in Montreal. If I could help the Montreal Oilers player, I'm happy to do so. And uh, yeah, it's awesome, George. I do. Are, of, I, do love, I do. I do. I do. I do a lot of charity stuff with that team when I'm here. I do a lot of charity stuff when I'm in Edmonton with the team. And you know what? It's part of giving back to the guys that are doing the toughest job in the NHL, and that's it. George, you were one of the best at what you did. Arguably the best. You were one of the best. I didn't see you lose too many fights. I would have liked to have seen you fight Lucic, but that's another story for another day. What? 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 Oh, hold on! No! 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 Hold on! Hold on! 
let's talk about this because you just said that. And so many people in Montreal are so dumb because they're like, oh, you should have fought him. You should have jumped him. First of all, if I would have jumped him. You see the way I get in your head. You see the way I get in your head. Let me explain this. Let me explain this. When I played Luchik in Boston, you guys all remember that. And the only reason I was chasing him is to make the cross people happy because just so you know, if you were to watch this game again, he wasn't hitting anyone. And actually on YouTube, you can write Larak hits Luchik, a hard body check. He flies on the board and I stay on top of him and he still doesn't drop the glove. Luchik was not scared of me, by the way, just so people know. His coach didn't want him to fight me. When Montreal, with the crowd, getting the crowd going, and also, um, you know, he's playing a lot of minutes. He didn't want Luchik that was playing, you know, in the top line to fight someone maybe in the fourth line and to be out of bands for a, for, for, for a while. He fought a lot of heavyweight, Luchik. So I would never say that he was afraid of me. I would have loved it to happen. But as you know, with the insecurity rule, if I would have jumped Milan Luchik, he would have dropped the glove. I would have had two, five, a 10. So seven minutes penalty. The team, Boston, would have scored three, four goals in that power play. And the next day in the papers, they would call the Rock Savages attack, like sa- Savage attack on Luchik. And would have people would have paid the fine? Would have, would have, shut up. Would people would have paid the fine? Would people would have paid the fine if I would have jumped him and get suspended for five games for Savage attack? If I kill him with a punch because he's unwilling to fight, what would have happened? Would they bail me out of jail saying that, oh, well, at least he fought Luchik? No. You don't understand the game. You don't fucking understand the game if you're criticizing me because I didn't jump him. There's an honor code in what we're doing. The goal is not to kill someone. If you fight, you fight with someone that is engaging. So leave me alone with this Luchik thing. It didn't happen. He's tough. He wasn't afraid of me. And that's it. Please, That's don't all I have to say about okay, that. Please okay. don't, get, don't get mad at me, please. I'm tough. I'm tough on the computer with a website here. You're, I don't know where you are. I'm all the way in the south. Don't get mad, George. Hey, but listen. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you guys played each other, wasn't it the year of the centennial? Yes, it was. George, what are you talking about? You didn't want to take 2, 5, 10, 12, 50. What are you talking about? They swept you guys in four games. They wiped the floor with you. What's the okay, difference? You would have fought him in the third period. The series was over anyway. Hey, that was to somebody on. else, George. Okay. George. Go take a walk. Okay, Tony, first of all, you have super bad memory because it was not in the playoff when I was chasing him. It was regular season. And in the playoff, if you recall, there's no fighting in a playoff, Tony. We play hockey. And I'll go further than that. Who was I playing with in a playoff, Tony? Who was Zach Koivu. Koivu. And? And? Kovalev. That's why we lost in four games. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Saku Koivu, Alex Kovalev, George Larat. <laughs> <laughs> There's something wrong with that picture. It's a bud ball, sir. It's unbelievable. Hey, when you saw that on the board, did you think you did you think it was that you were seeing something or what? What's the story here? No, I went to buy a lottery ticket because I thought I was the luckiest guy in the world. Bob Ganey put me there to give him some room because he didn't want Shara to because we were playing against Shara all the time. Actually, to Bob Ganey's credit, yeah. if you were to look at this series, it was the best hockey that I played with the Montreal Canadian during the playoff. I did very good. Uh, we had tons of chances. Uh, yeah. Koivu and Kovalev got lots of room. 
and uh, it, it worked out. You know, it worked out. Uh, but you know, Boston was much more deeper than we were. We lost, but it's the best hockey that I played, despite the fact that I was playing with two near the disc. Uh, the two near the discs. I'm gonna tell you something. Back then, and by the way, um, I think I got in your head. <laughs> I, I, I think I'm in your head that I really got to you, eh? No, no, but no. All kidding aside. No, no, no. So you, know, exactly. you know that. You know that. that, that I'm, no, you know that. I'm half serious, half playing. But this bothers me. Yeah, but Tony, you, right? Tony, no, no, Tony. It's not that. It's just that when you brought that up, there's a lot of dumb people that don't understand the game that always bring up the same issue, the those same things, and now you just give me an opportunity to to talk to this, to some haters. Yeah, I know haters always gonna hate, and they're jealous. But yeah. sometimes when I could address some issues that the dumb fuck. And they don't understand. Well, I'm happy to explain it. You know why? Uh, you know why people got upset back then. Everyone hates to lose. Everyone hates to lose to the Boston Bruins. A centennial year, and you get swept by the Boston Bruins. And by the way, I think the Canadians ended up losing ten players for nothing in the off season. But Canadians fans back then hated Milan Lucic so much that if you would have given him a couple of slaps, it almost would have been like winning the series, even though you guys got swept. You know what I mean? That's Tony, why people bring it up, because they just they wanted you to give him a beating. Tony, do you understand that someone with my strength to hit someone in the head, the damage that I could do if the guy is not engaging? It's like, it's a, these are weapons. I could kill someone. Look what happened, Tony, with Marty McSorley. Look at, like, if you attack someone, like, like, it's dangerous. And you know what? No fan's gonna pay my fine. You know, you gotta be careful out there. No, no, I you wouldn't know, want anyone. I wouldn't game. want anyone. And you know what? I know. I know what, Tony. And uh, any guys that I played against, and every during my thirteen-year career, they always tell you that was honorable. You know, respectful, yeah, know. honorable. And you know what? Doing on jumping on someone, not engaging, risking to hurting him, would not be honorable. This kid watching the game, fighting is already a big enough debate as it is. That if in Montreal I jump someone, Tony, I'm telling you, yes, there'd be a few people would be happy that I did that, but I would have been out of Montreal if I did that right away because uh, it, it's not clearly not the image that the Montreal Canadian would want from a tough guy to just jump players that are not willing to drop the, to drop the glove with you. So people just don't understand that. Yeah, I, I hear you, brother. I hear you. Hey, you know what? Uh, we got to get you and Milan on at the same time at one point. Well, whenever you want. He's a, he's a friend of mine. I, I talk, yeah. I've talked to him many times on my show, so we could, you yeah. can do it. Yeah, no, no. I know you've had him on. I've talked to him before in the past. I, uh, I went to a wedding back on the 19th of August. Uh, my buddy Vito Shangula, Vito V of uh, Virgin Radio, who called in a couple of days ago to talk hockey. And his cousins are Alex and Nick Shangula, who played with Milan Lucic with the Coquitlam Express back in 2004-2005 in the BCHL. And they're very good friends. Milan... Every time he comes to Montreal, or not every time, but he's caught up with them. He likes to go to the cafes in the east end of the city and hang out with the people. He's a man of the people. Milan Lucic is a really good guy. 
Tony, by the way, just so you know, yeah, me and me, uh, me and Milan will have something in common. Oh yeah, yeah. Milan got a George La- George Larocque hat trick. You know what that is? Tell me. Come on, guess. It's a goal, an assist, and a fight. No, that's a Gordy Hall. Oh. What's a George? What's a George Larocque hat trick? I baptized it like that. Well, I know you scored a hat trick in the National Hockey League, but what's a George Larocque hat trick? I don't know. What's a George Larocque? I don't know. It's a hat trick and a fight in the same game. A hat trick and a fight in the same yeah. game. Wow. When when I got my hat trick, I fought also Steve McKenna against Sully. And Milan Lucic, a couple years ago in Edmonton, got a hat trick and a fight. So you see, you should have never that, have done we, that. We got that in common. You should have never have done that because that night, if you didn't fight, you would have ended up scoring five. <laughs> hey, if if you scored three, why it's impossible to score five? You scored three. Tony, no, you said it. No one thought you were going to make the NHL. You scored three. Yeah. Could have scored five. Hey, actually, even me, I never thought I was going to score a hat trick in the NHL. I did it play PlayStation, but I never thought in the NHL oh, it would happen. That's pretty awesome. funny. All right, okay, yeah. that's that, that's pretty funny. So, you say to Pazetta, anybody on the team uh, wants tips. Just tell them to give me a call. And, and, by, and by the way, Tony, it's not just a tough guy. Give me Elon Nen. Give me anyone on the team. Give me Caulfield. Yeah. If I show Caulfield, the Suzuki, anybody else, I'm not going to show them how to fight. I'm going to show them how to defend themselves against someone like me if there's a scrum or if something happens. Anyone could use it. When Bob Barkley was in Calgary, he hired Brian McGratton to show the entire team how to defend themselves and the one that fought how to fight. I you guys, spend- te- I, I think I'm a better teacher than McGratton. Uh, not to take anything away from him because he was a yeah. good heavyweight, but you know what? Technique yeah. wise, Tony, mm. the reason why I was one of the best is yeah. because I had the best technique. That's why I never got hit to the head because the goal of a fight in hockey is not get hit to the head. Because, contrary in boxing or UFC, we have no glove. So, when you get a punch, you can break your nose, horrible bones, you, your chin, your teeth. You could be a bit, fist could do lots of damage. So you don't want to get hit to the head, but you want to hit the other guy to the head and you have to think defense first. That was my speciality, even though I was 260, lefty, 6'4". But anyway, there's so many techniques that come yeah. into this and some technique that people listening right now wouldn't understand, but if I was on the ice with them, I would. And no, by no, the way, yeah. people that play in the garage league, stop writing me on my social media, ask me to give you tips. I don't have time. And I'm only going to do it for guys in the NHL, and that's it. And the HL. And Tony, I'm going to say it again. Tony, I'm going to say it again. If I play in the NHL today, I'd be the toughest guy in the NHL right okay, now. Okay, let's stop the podcast now. Like, at one point, like, I made you talk for 20 minutes. I made you insult me. But now don't insult Like, Tony, Tony, I, if I didn't think, think it, I wouldn't tell you. Just know, Tony, that in today's era, um, it's not the cream of the crop is not there. Back in my time, Tony, there was Tony Twist, Chris Simon, Bob Probert, Ty Domi, Jim McKenzie, Stu Grimson, Matt Johnson, Derek Bugard. Are you kidding me? Now, are you, Tony, don't let's not even talk about it because back then we had nightmares every night because there was a monster that could kill you. Now, there's like five heavyweights left in, in the entire NHL. And Five heavyweights that would not crack down the top 30, Tony, back back in these days. And that's a fact. That is a fact. Okay, you're going to go go take a shit 
because of all the crap that you're eating. I understand it. Go take a crap and come back after. Oh, you already came back. What, you constipated or what's going on? One second, George, please. One second. What are you doing? Who are you going to wake up at this hour? Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Who are you calling? Hopefully the answer. Hold on. Not your mom again? Hold on. Tony, people are sleeping at this time. Yeah. yeah. Hold on a second. Let's. Uh, Who are you calling? What are you doing? Let's try one more time. Let's try one more time. Let's see if we can play. Tony. Yeah. Yeah. T- Tony, people are sleeping at this time. Yeah. No. No. I understand that, and I know it's. Uh, I know it's late. Let's. Uh, let's see what happens here. Let's see what happens. And you know what? I would be sleeping too if your yeah. podcast was not so late. Yeah. Why is it always at ten thirty at night? And see this, Tony, right there. Yeah. You know what that is? What is this? What is this right there? What is this? A treadmill. Every morning, I get up at 4.35 in the morning to, to go run. Yeah. I should be sleeping right now. Yeah. And now, I'm waiting for you to call who it is so I cannot go to bed so I could run in the morning. Yeah. Right now, I see that you're hanging clothes on that treadmill. That's what I see. No. Right now, see what it is? Short. For when I run tomorrow morning. The shorts are already there. Here's a towel. A towel to wipe when you run. Short. Towel and shoes. When did you retire again? So nice try. Nice try. When did you retire again? What year? I never retired, by the way. No? No, I never did. What was the last time I, you played a game in the National Hockey League? I don't have the uh, uh hockey DB in front of me. Uh in uh January 2010. 2010. But I've never officially retired. I'm never officially but I know retired. I know I know I'll never play another game in the NHL, but I no, I just refuse to officially say that I retire. Why not? Tony, well, Tony, what are you, what what is this? No, no, I, you, I you, have, you, have, you, you have listeners right now. No, no, I know, but I'm talking calling. to you. I'm talking they to you. They don't I'm know not... who they don't know who you're calling. What was, are you doing? I was trying to place an important phone call. Unfortunately, I wasn't at able to get through the person. People are sleeping. People wake up at this time. People are sleeping. Stop. Tony, I'm dead tired. Can, hey, can I sleep now? Yeah, so uh, you want to go? Yeah, no problem at all. Hold on a second now. Before I let you go, what's the um, who taught you? You talked about giving all these tricks and all these tips. Who taught you? Self taught. Self taught? Yeah. What are you, Bruce Lee or what? You read books or what's the story here? No, Tony, it's uh, I fought for 13 years in the NHL and uh, over the years, like fighting guys and looking at their technique, the way that they thought, how can I punch without getting punched? And no, it's just self-thought, Tony. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Self-thought. You know, I had, I had to, like there was two heavyweights per team back in my days. So it was a survival mode. I was a gladiator. Like I was, I was Maximus Aurelius. I had everything you want me to be, but I had to fight for a living. So I had no choice. Let's give it one more try. One more try and then it's over. This whole thing is... Ma? Yeah. Scusa, dormivi, ma? No, Okay, ma, sono in diretta sul podcast, okay? Dimmi una cosa, ma, dimmi una cosa. L'amico mio, George Larac, ti ricordi Larac, ma giocava con i canadesi, faceva fight, ti ricordi? Ah, lui c'ha 
13 anni che non gioca nella Lega Nazionale di Occhi, ok? Però lui ha, detto, lui ha detto che se lui ritorna pure la settimana prossima he wakes e, up his mom for this. Hold on a second, e si batte con gli altri che giocano che Poor lui mom. i suoi combatti i vince tutti tu ci credi sì o no? Probabilmente chi, chi vince? She says probably that you will be there perché lui è, è 13 anni fa ero più forte di tutti ma lui è convinto un second lui è convinto che ancora è più, è più forte di tutti tu ci credi ma sì eh? Ah, my mother says that if you believe then yes she believes well Tony you want to say goodbye to my mother yeah uh, what's her name Lina one woman or the man you want to tell her that Lina Lina uh, you know buona notte Lina and I'm sorry that Tony woke you up at 10.30 at night ah ti dice buonanotte Giorgio ma un giorno invita a casa facciamo un bello piatto di pasta ma Okay, ciao, ma I love you. Bye bye. All right. Okay, my mother you, you, you woke up your mom for this? Ah, she goes to bed late. She's always watching Italian television. Well, I, well I'm pretty sure that li- the listeners are really happy. Yeah, she says that if you believe, she believes. Tony, if you want to do anything in life, first yeah. you have to believe. If yeah, you right, don't, George. you'll never go anywhere. George, I believe. George. Tony, Tony, believe. believe Tony, believe Tony, now. Tony, believe. That one day you'll be the biggest podcast in the world, and you will. Believe it before you achieve it. Believe it. From your mouth to God's ears, my friend. Merci beaucoup. Have a great night. It was fun talking okay. to you. Ciao, ciao. Yeah. All right. There you have it. George Larocque. All right. We have a lot of fun with this guy. All right. Earlier today, I had a chance to catch up with TSN's Mike Johnson, uh, who works, of course, regional games, Montreal Canadiens. And I had a chance. We had a real great chat. I'm going to play it for you right now. And when we come back after that, If I'm still in one of these moods, I'll even open up the phone lines to you. Let's hear on my chat with Mike Johnson. Let's take a look. Ten hockey analyst Mike Johnson. Mike, how are you? I cannot complain. You can see the sun shining on my face. It's a trip early in the year to Florida. I got the Leafs and the Panthers. Uh, so anytime you get down in the sunshine, it's good for the soul a little bit. Keeps the body feeling good, loosens you up, and so... Uh, Yeah, we're down here, so we cannot complain. I got a view of the beach and the waves yeah. rolling in, so second only to my view of you, Tone. Yeah, no, I uh, I was there about two and a half weeks ago, and as a matter of fact, I still have Fort Lauderdale on my weather app, and I checked it this morning by mistake, 30 degrees in Fort Lauderdale, 30 degrees. Lucky you, Mike, lucky you. Um, things are a little bit colder here in Montreal, not only the weather, but with the hockey team as well. Who lost 5-2 to the Minnesota Wild last game. They gave up two shorthanded goals in 26 seconds. And, Mike, it's one thing when your power play is struggling. It's another thing when you give up two shorthanded goals. And you do it in 26 seconds. And the guys who score are named Duhame and Doar. We're not talking McDavid and Dreisaitl here. Um, how frustrating is that for a coach? And... What can you do to address that? So it's incredibly frustrating, obviously, for the players involved. They're out there to score goals. They're talented players. They're not really, con- you know, they're not thinking about how do we better, how do we be better defensively? Uh, maybe the coaches think that a little bit, but the players are not thinking that. They're thinking, how do I score? How do I create offense and, you know, validate my existence on the power play? Uh, so they're thinking in those lines. Now, there are some things in play about 
when the defense activates and making good decisions with the puck. But that would be true no matter what the situation. It doesn't have to be five on four to be smarter with the puck. Don't get caught in. Don't give up odd man rushes, that kind of thing. But generally speaking, um, the coaches would be so irritated because it's one thing, as you mentioned, like the Montreal power play has not been great for a little while now. And if you're not scoring goals, that can be a bit of a, a drain on momentum and missed opportunities. And certainly for the players that are on it, they feel like they're not producing the way they want or getting the points that they want. But if you give up shorties while you're at it, it's a double whammy. Like not only you're not scoring, but you're you're going down as well. And Montreal's not going to be able to score enough to overcome silly mistakes. And shorthanded goals in two and thirty seconds would be uh, definitely classified as a, a silly kind of mistake. So they'd have a conversation about making sure that you're paying attention and being aware and don't give up on plays. Like was it the second one where the puck was kind of scrambling around and bouncing around and yeah, you know, if you dig in defensively, even if you're on the power play, when they go the other way, you might get back and get there in time to interrupt a secondary chance. So still pay attention to defense when you don't have it, but yeah, that's, that's tough uh, when it goes the other way, but we're seeing that more and more Tony, right? Good players killing penalties. Every player sort of has a green light to attack if they think they can. There's always just one defenseman on the ice, so you might get a forward back there. You can attack him. So you're going to see more and more opportunities shorthanded around the league. Mike, um, I was talking with Craig Button yesterday, your colleague, of course, and he was saying, look, it's two years that Burroughs has been there. It's two years that Canadians have had the worst and second worst power play in the league. You can make an argument, <clears throat> pardon me, that they don't have the best players in the league and they're missing certain elements. But at the end of the day, it's it's his job to make the power play better. And he has to find a way to make it better with the players that he has and play to their strengths. So if the power play is not working, change it up so that it can work with what you have. Based on what they have, and I know it would be easier if we had a screen here and you can you can you can show it that way. But based on what they have, is there any way that you can explain it and simplify it as to what kind of power play you think would give them the most chance of success? Tony, to me, the power play, the obvious answer when you're struggling is simplify right we've heard it over and over and over if you don't have the personnel or the personality to maybe work some of the higher skill seam classes different different actions that you want to try to do then you, you you try to simplify you get bodies around the net uh you get shots you get rebounds in many ways if you can't create the perfect shot the next best way to create a good opportunity is to break down the penalty killers by shooting and retrieving and that's something that every team can do, including the Montreal Canadiens. Now it is, you know, you're dumbing down your systems a little bit and, and maybe you're not putting enough faith in your players, but things open up on rebounds. So maybe a bit more of a, if they can get in the offensive zone, get it to the net, try to retrieve pucks. And then once you get the second puck, things will open up more often. We know Caulfield, you want him to shoot the puck, right? You know Suzuki handling it in the half wall is probably ideal. But if you're having trouble creating from a stagnant set, get it to the net, break it down that way. It is, it is one of the easiest ways to work. And one other thought, and I don't see, you haven't seen Montreal do this very often. 
I think if you want to explore below the goal line, especially without a big point shot, sort of traditional PP quarterback, if you want to explore kind of working down below the goal line, which is, you know, a little bit non-traditional right now, that also might open up some options that are not available to you right now. Graham McCagg joins us every now and then, yep. former no. scout, uh, yep. of course, uh, for the Montreal Canadiens during the Bob Ganey administration of recruits and recruits.ca. He does a sick podcast uh, draft uh, draft podcast with us. And he wrote an article and he said, I understand that you want to ease Lovkoski into the National Hockey League. I understand a reluctance to put him in the top six. I understand the reluctance to put him with the top dogs. I understand a reluctance to make him go up against the best players on other teams. But when you drafted him, he was labeled as the guy who would eventually probably end up being that other winger on that line with Suzuki and Caulfield. Seeing as he's big, he's strong, he's thirsty for ice time, wouldn't it be a good opportunity to get him on that first wave of the power play? And it if he produces, it gives him confidence. You agree or disagree to put him on the first wave with Suzuki and Caulfield? Where is he going to play? He's going to play in front of the net? Like to me, because told me that the challenge for me, so I, I get the theory behind it. It makes sense. But if you're going to play him in the bumper spot, if they're going to 1-3-1, one, one, which is kind of what most teams run, some version of, you know, one up top, one in front, three across the middle. Correct. If he's the bumper, that is a sophisticated position to play. Like you have to have a great feel of everything out on the ice. You got to know where everyone is, what pucks are coming to you, what pucks to leave, when to support, when to when to screen, when to get down to the goaltender, when to get to the corner. It's a lot going on. It's a lot like Patrice Bergeron. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, like these are really good players at it. And it's not as easy as maybe just thinking, well, put them there and you can kind of be around pucks and get chances. So that to me might be a difficult place for him to go right away. Now, if you want to go stand in front of the net, all right, like you could absolutely do that. Uh, he's big, he's strong. He might get sticks on pucks, keep pucks alive. He's got lively legs in the corners, th that kind of stuff. There's the other, so... Yeah, good idea, but you got to make sure it's a right fit. You still want to be good in the power play. Like you, you, the guys that are out there, you can't just sort of forego the, the success of the power play just to, to work guys in. The guys out there want to be good. And if they put someone out there who's not helping them be as good as they think they can be, that might be a problem. And there's still the dressing room to consider. Like we, you and I, can talk about this is not the year for Montreal, right? They're not trying to win. They, they're not going to win a Stanley Cup. They're developing. They're growing. They're thinking big picture. Guys in the room don't think big picture. They're thinking today. And if you start putting people in spots that they don't deserve to go, there's only so much of that you can do before there's a bit of a pushback internally. And they won't maybe say anything to Marty, but the conversation at dinner is like, can you believe Mike Johnson's in the power play? Guys have scored a goal in 15 games. Like, I don't care if he's seventh overall. He doesn't belong there. Josh Anderson to be there. Like these kind of conversations, not to take shots at Slavkovsky or anybody, but mm -hmm. just the idea that the meritocracy of getting what you deserve and deserving what you get has to be true all the time, even in the context of a big picture development. So last game when the Canadians gave up that second goal on the penalty kill, Arbor Jackeye, Brendan Gallagher, 
and Tanner Pearson were on the ice for the Canadians power play. Mm-hmm. Now, Tanner Pearson went on to score a goal in that game. Yep, and Tanner it. Pearson had scored a goal the game before that. Mm-hmm. So, you know what? Tanner Pearson's played good hockey. Brendan Gallagher has not. Arbor Jackeye, I, I don't think he should be suited for the power play. But anyway, we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. The whole thing of Gallagher being on the second wave of the power play. You just talked about being there on merit. Is this... This is what it looks like. It looks like a coach who's early on in his tenure as a coach, still hasn't established himself as that veteran presence coach, with a veteran hockey player, and he wants to keep him on his side. Does it feel that way? Yeah. Or does Brendan Gallagher belong on the second wave of the power play? Uh, probably not by merit. No, I just talked about it, right? Yeah. But th- th- there is a balance. Balance, right there's a push and pull and i you know there's there's areas that you can shade one way or the other and i think part of that is one keep not necessarily keep him on his side but keep his spirits high i don't think marty's worried about brennan gallagher causing a revolt or not being a good teammate he's more like i want brennan gallagher to feel good about himself so we're going to mm-hmm. try to push the same way you do that with slavkowski like you're trying to manage confidence and all that stuff yeah. um the other part is for brennan gallagher tony He's got, he has to play. <laughs> like you gotta, like he, you gotta find somewhere where he can play, and um, you know maybe second they're, they're power stuck, play unit. They're stuck, they're stuck between a rock yeah. and a hard place. They're they're stuck. There's not a, there's not a, a great fit, obvious fit where he will be productive and and maybe give you some sort of return. So I'm sure they're having that conversation. It's not lost on him, Tony. It's not lost. Yeah. Like it's not like Brendan Gallagher is producing glorious chances and it's like, hey, get him on the power play, get him some goals. It's going to happen for him. It's not, it's not the way it's going. Gallagher knows that. Marty knows that. I think they're just trying to find a spot where he can sort of get a, get a, get a, get a toehold on the, on the roster. Like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a second power play guy and a, and a third, fourth liner, five on five guy. And I'll be okay with that somehow. I went in to do a little television yesterday. And when I, I parked my truck, um, I see that Michelle Bergeron is sitting in the truck next to me and we were both on the same set together. So I go over to his truck and I say hello. And he was listening to a little bit of radio and, and, um, and we started talking about the Canadians and he said, I, I like Marty and I love them as a player. He says, mm-hmm. I want to see that player behind the bench. And I said, explain to me. He says, well, that player had, like, there would, like, smoke would come Mm -hmm. out of his ears. Like, he Mm -hmm. wanted it bad. I want to see him get upset from time to time. I want to see him send a message to players from time to time. I want to see him call a timeout from time to time. I want to see him lay into his players from time to time. And, um, Hmm. you know, maybe that's not the way it should be today, or maybe that's, doesn't make the players respond the way it used to. Maybe it does. But then again, I thought about this whole rebuild, and I've been preaching for it. But one of the downsides of the whole rebuild is Marty knows that there's not a tremendous amount of pressure on him to get this team in the playoffs Mm -hmm. because his bosses, Kent Hughes and Jeff Gorton, know that realistically they're not going to make it. 
that they're in a rebuild and they don't want to cut corners. And if the playoffs happen, they happen. But if things play out the way they should and logic prevails, they're going to be far from the playoffs. So how difficult is it to actually coach and really coach when you're in a rebuild? Hmm. Okay. First off, I'll say this. If you don't think that Marty absolutely steams to win, like somehow he's he's calm and that competitive spirit's not there, that's not right. Now it may channel itself differently, maybe more under control. He can't go out and impact the game himself. Like I played with Marty. I felt that anger. I felt that drive. It's there and it's still there. Um, so that 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 hasn't gone away. I do think players today do not respond to that stuff like they once did. They haven't dealt with it. It's a different kind of kid. They, 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 it's a different way to communicate with them. And occasionally, sure, like we saw Rick Tockett get on his team just the other day, but it's not good enough. Get on, guys. It, it can happen, but it can't happen as often. And I think Marty right now would be more focused on, I'm teaching, I'm growing, I'm developing. And the more nurturing environment of communication, of calm, understanding, in control. He probably feels that as the overriding sentiment because you've been around long enough. Like some coaches operate on chaos. Like they want Mike Keenan lived his life to cause conflict. Like that's how he thought he would get the best from his teams. Marty right now for this group in this moment probably thinks, you know what? A little calmer approach would be appropriate. But make no mistake, if they they were – you know, in a different situation, I bet you would see a bit more anger, but maybe a few more outbursts, a bit more in the guy's ear saying that's not good enough. Uh, but for now, you also have to be realistic. Like you can only, if the team's not good enough, Tony, to win a ton of games, yelling at them to win more games is not going to make them better. This is not how it works. They're not, if they're not good enough. So I get what he's saying. I think it probably will grow as it goes along. To coach, but the one thing that you are 100% correct with, and I and I think this would be important for Marty and the Montreal Canadiens to be mindful of. You can't let the conversation that everyone knows is happening about a rebuild, everyone knows what's going on, players and everyone else. You can't let that let players off the hook. They can't think it doesn't matter if we win or lose because the organization sort of is committed to not really having it matter this year. You can't let that seep in because if it does, then you get complacent, then you take for granted, and that is not the environment you need to be in. But going into the season, when uh, starting from the golf tournament on, when Kent Hughes, Jeff Gordon, uh, Jeff Molson, Marty St. Louis met with members of the media, and of course Marty St. Louis still talks to members of the media on a daily basis, the message has been the objective, the goal, Mm-hmm. is to get better as a team, to get better as a group, to get better individually, to grow every day. It's just mm-hmm. to grow and to improve. Did they make a mistake by publicly saying that because it kind of lets players off the hook? I don't want to criticize them for it because it, they're being honest. And I appreciate candor, right? And even if they said, no, we're making the playoffs this year, we're all going to be like, no, we're not. Like, they're not going to make the playoffs. That's And the you, you got to be... You got to be real. Um, 
And then but, they would be the, crucified if they wouldn't make the playoffs, right? If they right. Say and then you, yeah, right. You, you set up a standard that you're never going to meet anyways. Yeah. But I think you can do both things. You can both be honest with yourself and your team and your players and be like, yeah, we're rebuilding. We're trying to improve. We're trying to grow. But then you can also demand performance. Like you can demand performance individually and collectively. And so maybe they don't have to talk about it, but maybe 85 points this year. Like that's winning more games you're losing. That's going to miss the playoffs. That's growth and improvement. Like saying we're growing and developing doesn't mean you go get 55 points. You can go get 90 points and miss the playoffs and be growing and developing. So you can do both things. And that's the messaging, what they tell us and they tell the public and the fans. And I appreciate their candor. It's not the same as like, Hey guys, don't sweat it. If we win or lose, doesn't matter. Like that's not what they're hearing. And that's not how they should be playing. Marty said something last season, which was interesting. I had never heard a coach ever say that before. And I'm wondering if it's still the case this season. And I'm wondering if he made a mistake in actually saying it. And what he said was something to the effect of, we don't have the schedule up in our locker room. Mm-hmm, I saw that. We or don't know. Yeah. Yeah. The, the standings. We don't have yeah. the, the, the standings up in our locker room. It's about getting better every day. How about that approach? Is that um, what it's an honest approach? Once again, that, you know, what they want to do is get better every day, but you can also get better in the standings. Shouldn't that be something that you should be aware of? You should be, because, and I'm sure, look, I'm sure all the players are aware of it, right? All you got to do is just go to NHL.com or whatever, and yeah. you can find out exactly where you are in the standings. But that approach, how do you feel about that? It's unprecedented, Tony. You know, you've been in enough rooms. Every room has the standing somewhere. They're digital now. They used to be on the whiteboards with like little magnets. And, you know, every day you'd walk in, you'd know. And I think... I get what he's trying to do because we're not focused on that. And I don't, I don't want guys to beat themselves up if they see we're in 13th place or 14th place or whatever. I get it. But I also think we are in a business where results are very tangible, black and white. Did we win? Did we lose? It's not like, you know, you're, you're an accountant, you're a teacher, you're a guard. Like, you know, did you do well today? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. We know if we did well. Did we win or did we lose? And that's how we are measured as athletes. Did I score? Did I not? How many points do I have? Do I have 30? Do I have 70? It's not like, well, I may be in the 50s. Like, no, we know how much I have. And so I don't want players to get comfortable thinking that doesn't matter. I want guys like, I see that board and we're in 14th. It bothers me. I'm embarrassed by it. And I'm motivated to make it sure it's not like that, that not act as though it doesn't exist. So I get what he's doing. I wouldn't be inclined to be like, no, no, see that. See the work we have to do to get better. We don't want to be in the bottom three. Every day you walk in, look where you are, the bottom. Work to move up. Make it matter to move up individually and collectively. Um, That's how I would probably approach it because in the end, the standings are going to have to go up and they're going to have to be able to deal with the fact that whatever the standings say, that's what they will say, and you got to deal with it. All right. So Caden Gooley left last game uh, with about four minutes to go in period number two. He did not return earlier today. The Canadians let everyone know 
that Caden Gooley is uh, is day to day, which is obviously great news because following the news that Kirby Doc tore his ACL and MCL and was out for the season, when Caden went down, everyone's like, "Oh my God, here's here's you know there's another one." Uh, so it's not the case. That's good news. Um, with Doc out, we know that Newhook is now at center. And we know that Monaghan's playing with Gallagher and Anderson. Newhook was playing with Pearson and Slavkowski. You like those lines or no? Um, yeah, I mean, I like the idea of getting Harvey Pernard up and dropping Anderson down and mixing it around. I appreciate what Marty's trying to do there. Um, tell you know, me why you Tanner like Pearson's it, Pearson's an effective Mike, player. Mike, pardon me. Tell me why you like that. Why I like Harvey Pernard up? Yeah, I, because I, I think he brings an element of speed and skill. And I think you can use Anderson, who had been there, like you can use him elsewhere. You know what I mean? Like Harvey Pernard is good enough to play there. And I know he's smaller and so is Caulfield, but I don't think that matters anymore. He plays with enough juice. Like I think having Anderson available to be elsewhere because you need help elsewhere. You can't just say our best three players in our first line and everything else is not as good below that. You have to balance things out a little bit. So I like moving Anderson offers a different kind of balance through a lineup. I didn't like Gallagher Pearson and Monaghan. You, you and I talked about this, that line's slow, right? So you get Pearson off and you get Anderson on it. Well, Anderson's fast. So, you know, you bring some different element of speed to that line. So I, I just kind of, I like the balance as they are constructed. Not that they're going to be great. And, you know, I'm not sure, um, you know, new hook, what Pearson and Slavkowski? I have I have concerns whether those guys can create offense every game, not score, but just create. Yeah. That is that's a huge concern. If that's your second line. You know that's asking a lot, but I see what yeah. he's trying to do. Yeah, uh, you know what it looked like to me that that was his third line. That's what it looks like to me. But then again, sure. you're saying, well, then Brendan Gallagher's on a second line, and I get that too. Okay, so now. We're, we're three games into the yeah, labeling's season. dangerous though, Tony, right? Like yeah. Labeling lines is dangerous. We do it. You do it. Players do it. I'm on the first line. They're written on a board in an order and it does matter, but you're, you make a good point. Like second line, third line, it's relatively interchangeable at this point. Three games into the season. We're not going to panic. One is a win. One is a loss and one is an overtime loss. Um, should Marty St. Louis at any point, Nick Suzuki struggling. Should Marty St. Louis at any point think of splitting up Suzuki and Caulfield? As crazy as it may sound to some, let's note that when Caulfield was hurt last year and Nick Suzuki had two other line mates, that he's he still did very, very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Of course you can consider it. Doesn't mean you have to do it today, but unless you're the Sedines, you're not guaranteed to play with anybody, right? Like, yeah, like yeah. everyone, ev- everyone plays with everyone. That's how it works. On the best team, whoever you think the best duos are, they don't play together all the time. Marner and Matthews, they don't play together all the time. Kachuk and Stutzler, they don't play together all the time. There are moments, games, maybe two, maybe five, where it's not working, where there's an injury, and things have to change. And given the production, what, what, would, what would Nick Suzuki say? How dare you take him away from me? How dare you make a change? He's not going to say that. He's going to go out there and play. So... Yeah, they'll look at it if they're not if it's not working well. 
um, then they'll try other things, as they should. Um, nobody plays together for 82 games. Nobody. So Nick Suzuki, thus far, after three games, has zero goals, one assist, one point, and is minus four. I want to show you some footage earlier this morning at practice. There you have it. The coach and Nick Suzuki near the end of practice pulls him aside, mm-hmm. has a few words with him. I'm sure you probably had some yeah. of those in your career, I guess. Huh? <laughs> I'm familiar with that kind of conversation. And, and I mean, Nick has a has a large load to carry, right? The captain. That alone is a big responsibility. He's the best player. He's the offense or number one centerman. That's a huge responsibility. Team's not going to be great. It's a lot, a lot, a lot to carry. And so I yep. think that Marty would be saying, don't feel like you have to do everything. Don't think everything will always fall to you. And if we win or we lose or we score, or we don't, it's not all on you. Try to lighten yourself up. Try to just go, go play. Be less concerned about everything else around you. Be concerned about what you can control. What he can control when he's on the ice is what he does on the ice. There's nothing else. That he can put his, you know, that he can impact other than that moment on the ice. Probably telling him, now this will ring hollow. I've heard it before. Marty's heard it before. Don't worry about points, Tony. Don't worry about not scoring. <laughs> like, um, we all worry about scoring. Like, that's what we do. I, I want to score. I care if I get points or not. If I don't, I don't feel so great. But that's probably the message. Don't stress about points. Don't stress about production. You're our guy. Just relax and play. It'll be fine. Maybe he's telling him we're not changing lines or whatever it might be. But just yeah, those kind of talks from coaches, when you respect the coach, they matter. All right. So he probably told them that. But once they got off the ice, we do have a quote that he gave members of the media earlier today. And he said, Nick would say this too, but he has to be better for sure. Mm-hmm. You talked about the pressures that are of being the captain of the Montreal Canadiens. And Nick Suzuki has to put up with a lot. At one point, Max Pacioretty, like he thought he could do it and he did his best, mm-hmm. but he found it a little bit suffocating to wear the C. I'm sure he felt a lot more liberated when he didn't have the C and he was scoring 35, 37, and 39. Marty St. Louis, what he just said, do you view that as, of course, it's honest, but do you like, you know, you just talked about maybe removing some of the pressure, but it's, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's fine. And and like you the conversation I just had would be cloaked in the idea like like Marty approaches Nick to begin with and it's like, you know, how you feeling, you know, you know, they talk about stuff that's not going quite well defensively, you're not scoring whatever. You know, so that they're not having a conversation like that cuz he's rolling cuz it's going mm-hmm. great. Yeah. And and every player is honest with himself. So I don't think that Marty is burying Nick here like saying something that Nick Suzuki wouldn't say himself if he were to talk to the media. I got to be better. He would say the same thing. For sure. Um, so I don't have a problem with it. Now, he didn't like, you know, crush him. He just said, you yeah, know, he's got to be better. And, and that's fine because Nick would say the same. I'm sure that was the message with other positive reinforcement in it when they spoke on the ice. Um, it's a lot though. Like I played in Toronto. I saw Matt's go through it. What Saku Koivu had to go through was way more than what Matt Sundin had to deal with. Like, it's not even close. The responsibilities, the honor, the history, but just 
the stuff that has to that is that being the captain of the Canadians is now Nick seems like he's capable of dealing with it, but you know it, it's a it's a big burden. But none of it matters if you're not playing well, and I think that's where Nick's focus will be just just playing as well as you can. Um, yeah, so I'm not I don't think that Marty saying that makes Nick feel any worse about his game. He already feels bad, bad enough, and and they just have the same conversation. It's not bothering them. In ending. I'm going to put you in the spot here, but you're a big boy. I know you could take it. It's the last one. On one to 100 with 60 being a pass, how good a captain mm-hmm. was Saku Koivu? Dude, he was 90. I love Saku. Really? In 90, eh? On Honestly. Of, of, wow. of all the guys, in my entire career, Tony, little quick story, in my entire career, maybe my entire life playing hockey, there's been one time in my whole life where a captain has stood up. I'm getting, I'm like literally getting goosebumps. I putting myself in the moment where a captain has stood up and made a speech, an emotional, impassioned speech. The thing we think we see in movies, but doesn't really ever happen. And when it does, it it always falls flat. One time, and it was Saku Koivu who got, got up and like in a fit of rage and passion and emotion, challenged everybody demanded more spoke about the privilege of playing for Montreal and how we were not living up to that privilege. And I was like, you're right. You were like, it was unbelievable. So like, yes, I know he, he didn't speak French at times and that might've, you know, endeared himself to some of the fans. And I get that. And I, and I, if I was a captain of Montreal, I would learn how to speak French. But as far as the guys in the room, the guy who played as hard as he could, who included everyone, but who really specific to Montreal, understood and could articulate how much it meant and why it was different to be a Canadian than to play for the Tampa Bay lightning. He was amazing. I'd honestly tone, like I got, I have so much time and respect for Saku. I thought like I, whether he won a cup or not, um, I, I, that guy was a great leader. He was great to me. And I got, I, I had nothing but good things to say. I'll tell you a quick story in 10 seconds. At one point I kind of, not question, but I wasn't sure, you know, how much does this guy want it? Because we heard stories that, you know, he was the captain, but he wasn't really all that into Montreal and everything and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I made my way to Boston and I covered that series between the Canadians and the Bruins where Joe Thornton's captaincy was questioned by right. Kevin Paul DuPont of the Boston Globe. And they were going through that whole thing. And uh, I think that's the year that the Boston Bruins, if memory serves me, well, I could be wrong here. But is that the year that the Bruins were up um, uh, 3-1 in that series and Kovalev and Sheldon Surrey ran into and, each other uh, yes. ran into each other. And then uh, Surrey called out Kovalev and then Kovalev had three points in game five and then a couple mm-hmm. in game six. And then Richard Zednik scored two goals in game seven uh, on two Alex Kovalev assists. And they won that game with Jose Theodore in goal. I think that was the year, and I think that was the game. I could be wrong. But anyway, it was a year the Canadians eliminated the Bruins in seven games in Boston. So mm-hmm. I'm in I'm in the corridor, and we're waiting for the doors to open up. And I think, like, Sacco had just finished doing an interview, and he made his way into the room. And I heard a scream yes. from the room. Like, a, like, yes. like, like so happy to win, but like a scream I've never heard before. Like a primal. And, and, I, and, I, yes. and I, I peeked in and I saw Saku and like his veins were popping out of his neck and he looked like a man possessed. And he, he screamed so loud that I'm telling you, it felt like the arena shook and I was, I was mm. flustered. I never, 
never again would I question that guy's, you know, and I didn't question his, his, his willingness to win or how much he wanted it, but he wanted it. And if they, yeah. if they never won, <laughs> it surely wasn't because he didn't want it. I'll tell you that right now. Right. That I, I like, I, I could see him and I could hear him and I could feel yeah. that release of his in that moment, knowing all that he's been through in Montreal and all of it. And that's who he was. Like you wouldn't see it. He was pretty calm and pretty reserved around the media, but man, he had a, he had a flame that burned hot and, uh, and he, and he, for, and it burnt hot for Montreal. And that's, and that's maybe a little bit different about being a Canadian. Mike, thank you so much for your time again today. Always a pleasure and a privilege. Merci beaucoup. Uh, there he is. We'll talk next week. Uh, there he is. There you have it. Mike Johnson of TSN. That was Mike Johnson. That was earlier today. Um, once again, folks, because, um, you know, he has some work obligations. So we said, okay, let's, let's do this. And if I have a chance to record with you, I'm going to record because I don't want you missing out on Mike Johnson. He's absolutely amazing. Uh, we, we've gone for like an hour and seven minutes now between George Larac and Mike Johnson. I hope you enjoyed the sick podcast. I had a lot of fun doing it. And of course, you're there in big numbers as usual. You, my sick army, you, my sick community. Uh, you guys are definitely the first star. Mike Johnson usually joins us on Tuesdays and Thursdays on non-game nights. So once again, in case you missed it, when I made the announcement, it's going to go down something like this. On non-game nights, Mondays, non-game nights, Eric Engels. Tuesday, non-game nights, Mike Johnson. Wednesday, Craig Button. Thursday, non-game night. Oh, pardon me. Uh, Thursday, non-game night. Um, you'll see either Anthony Marcino, or you'll see Grant McCag, or you'll see Simon the Snake Boisvert. You'll see Charles-Alexis Brisebois. You'll see Philippe Boucher. Um, quite a few people. Uh, Fridays, uh, the same, Stu Cowan. Tuesday, game night, Maxim Lapierre. Thursday, game night, George Larac. Those are among the, uh, the collaborators that you're going to see on the SICK podcast throughout the entire season. For whatever reason, I think there's one that I didn't mention. I don't know why. And uh, now I'm kicking myself. Now I'm really, really kicking myself. Did I forget anyone? I, I hope not. I hope I hope I did not. Uh, anyway, so once again, all right. So Eric Engels, Max LaPierre, Mike Johnson, Craig Button, George Larac, Philippe Boucher, Anthony Martineau, Marc-André Perrault, Grant McCagg, Simon the Snake Boivard, Charles-Alexis Brisebois, Stu Cowan, George Larac, I don't know if I said him twice, but anyway. Uh, all right. Okay. So I should write this down on a piece of paper. I should write it down. But anyway, you get my drift. Uh, I had a lot of fun. Once again, same time, same place tomorrow night. The Sick Podcast. Want to thank Energy Transportation Group, a fantastic partner to have, a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of North America, driven to be different. Mike Cinquino, Sean Girard. And David Grassi. And uh, Sean says that he loves when I mention his name. So I'll mention his name again. Sean Gerard. Also a great partner. La Bitta TB. The Geloso Beverage Group. Brewed in Quebec. A winner of a dozen international awards. 
Labitta TB offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. Labitta TB, embrace your true nature. I say hello to Aldo Geloso, to Ted Ferrace, to Phil, to Fred Sartor, to everyone there. And brought to you in part by Playground. Danny, my man, with the yellow tie. They'll soon be expanding with two new restaurants, two new lounges, an entertainment area, a brand new poker room, and more machines, all with the same unmatched customer service you have come to expect from Greater Montreal's premier gaming destination located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal Playground. I plan to be there in the next week. I love that place. You tonight, my audience, and George Larac and Mike Johnson, we're on fire. Till tomorrow night, for Agnello, Sammy, and Juliana, Master Control, they're Cavallaro. I'm Marinaro. Passion and energy. Me, Marinaro. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinaro on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.